Hey, broads and bros and everyone in between. It's Cola here. Uh, We just wanted to give a little trigger warning at the beginning of this episode. Um, There is discussion of uh, substance abuse, as we'll be uh, talking about Demi Lovato's documentary, Dancing with the Devil. Um, If you or a loved one um, are facing any kind of mental health or substance abuse issues, you can always call this hotline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. Hey. Yo. How's it going? Good. It's nice to be doing this. I always like when we can record during the day. It's my favorite. <laughs> Me too. It makes, the, it makes things feel so much lighter and brighter, perhaps because it is lighter and brighter outside. I know. You got the sun coming in on you right now looking absolutely radiant. Thank you. Thank you. I went for a 20-minute walk today, and um, I really just feel like I'm made to be in the sun at all hours of, like, at all hours of the day. Uh, yeah, our skin, our complexion of the southern Italian variety is very much uh, meant for the sun, I would say. Correct. And um, I say this all the time, but when you're olive skinned and you don't get tan or you have not been exposed to sun, we kind of look green. Oh, like, my God. Yes. Okay. So so you understand what I'm talking about? Cause yes. People have looked at me and they're like, what the fuck do you mean? I'm like, my undertone, like my my quote unquote paleness is not like fair skin pale. I look green. Like I look sick. Yeah. And here's how I know this is because my aunt would always, whenever I was like a kid or we'd go over and hang out in Long Island with them, she'd look at me and she goes, what's wrong with her? <laughs> That's all she would say. It's like, what's wrong with her? She looks sick. Mm-hmm. And then I would freak out thinking that like, oh my God, am I sick? Am I like, am I not realizing that I don't feel well right now? Is very psychosomatic response. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what all it is. My mom's like, that's just her skin tone. <laughs> she just looks like that. No, my mom and dad know that there's like one question to ask me or a comment to make to me that will immediately want to make me punch you right in the fucking throat. And obviously like they know not to say this to me. They'll ask, are you okay? Why do you look so pale? I will just lose my shit on them. I will lose my shit. And my mom has actually like sent me because she's like, you know, she's on Facebook. She's like sent me like jokes and memes that she'll see like from mom's Facebooks being like, only me and a doctor can tell my kid they look pale. Like, I'm like, yeah, no, I will punch anybody in the throat who says that to me. It's my biggest fucking peeve. Like, I will. I have a question though. Do you tan as well as you did when we were younger? Because I felt like when we were in high school, I like got a beautiful, like golden, crispy color. But as I've gotten a little bit older, it takes a little bit longer for me to get to that shade. I know. I am actually. I will say though, I've been a little bit smarter with sun protection as I've gotten mm-hmm. older. I think when we were younger, I just kind of used to be like, "Yeah, we go into Coney Island after school. <laughs> just gonna roast." Like, who needs skin? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, no, I still tan really, really well. One thing I have noticed is that my tan disappears significantly quicker though. Mm, now, yeah. like it used to last like a lot longer into like winter than, um, than like when I was like in high school. But um, I've, I've maybe when I was like sixteen, I wasn't the best about like sun protection. But really, I feel like once I was in college and ever since. I'm little Miss SPF. I, I put on like 30. I'm not like the, the 50 kind of girl because I feel like that's just like bullshit. 
I'll, uh, you're you're correct. I will say, as somebody who worked for a dermatologist for three <clears> years, uh, anything beyond thirty is irrelevant. Like thirty is fine. Like right. don't put if you want the max protection thirty. It don't. Yeah. I, it's not recommended to go lower than that. Um, right. But anything beyond it is just ridiculous. It doesn't do anything. Well, and it's like my understanding is like it's a it's a waste of money. Like don't don't yeah. even bother. So yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, I use SPF. 30 and now like a lot of my skincare, my health care, my skincare routine um, has like SPF in my face moisturizer. So I've been a lot better than that. But yeah, I still feel like I tan really, really well. Like I do have a tan line all year long. That is like one thing that is like really weird. Like I will always have a tan line all year long, but I do fade so much quicker, which is like the saddest thing to me because everybody knows how happy I am to be tan. I really do feel like what you were saying, like ancestrally, like we are meant, like our people lived and worked at the by the water 24 7 365 and so we are meant to literally be outside and so yeah. when I don't get to it crushes me yeah I'm curious to see what it's going to be like I'm looking at myself in the mirror right now and I'm like mm, you're looking a little green <laughs> we looking like that green but you're in California you have sun all year long all right but also panorama and uh, <laughs> I will say the first time I came home to visit New York, I came home in October and I definitely had friends look at me being like, look at this bitch got a tan in October. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, because of that, yes, I was outside. I have been outside a lot more since moving here. Mm-hmm. The weather allows True. me to do that. Um, but because of the parallelogram, I haven't been outside as much. <laughs> so my skin needs to readjust to being in the sun. Oh, that is true. That is really, that's a good point. I think we need to, I wonder if I'm going to have to take better precautions this summer with the sun, you know, coming out of the the Patricia and just yes. seeing how we, <laughs> we adjust. But I did do what was really nice about like being in, I quarantined pretty much the whole first half through the summer in, in Pennsylvania is we, we have like a, this is going to sound very bougie, but when I tell you like it's, I promise it's not this nice. We have a private beach, like connected to like the the community that we have the house in. So like, I know you're all thinking like, what a private beach. And I'm like, no, no, it's basically just like, like a bunch of grass with goose poo that only people who have boats in the community that one side is for the docks and the other side has like the water. So it's really not the, the nicest thing in the entire world, but it is like very nice because you can only be a community member and go there. So I still got like summer beach excursions uh and no one was there so that was really really nice but i I do think i'm gonna have to to, to adjust the goose poo really takes it down a notch i was like before we started recording and i was like oh i'm sweating i have to change my shirt i just cleaned both of my bathrooms and you're like (laughs) weird flex to say you have two bathrooms i'm like no the flex is when you have a housekeeper and can afford someone to clean the bathrooms not when you have to clean both of the bathrooms yourself that is true yeah you're right but yeah, it it, it takes it takes us down a notch a little bit. But yeah, um, one thing I know we wanted to to mention this has been brightening my week as much as the sunshine is New York Nico's dating. Like he, I don't know if he's like officially settled on a hashtag yet, but this little like dating app submission thing is truly the cutest thing. It's some of the videos are like a little fucking weird, but some of them make me really happy to not date men from New York. And then most of them just put a smile on my face. So if anybody has not seen them yet, please go check it out. New York, you go. My favorite is the disclaimer for the application. Like is, is no bozos can apply. No bozos. Like, no bozos. 
Look at this fucking bozo. I feel like that's a big East Coast insult. Like I was talking about this. I was talking to my friend about this a couple years ago being like, yeah, that's a very like, look, this fucking bozo. The, what was it? John Mulaney has that great joke where he's yep. like the New, the New York Post, I think it is, <laughs> loves to use the word bozo. It's like, look at this bozo. Bozo. It's, it's like the ranking of like what people are in the eyes of the New York Post. And like <laughs> yes. the worst thing to be is a bozo. <laughs> Um, that is very true. But also the other thing that makes me laugh and I, Kristen, I said it to Kristen and she was like, yo, we're going to start saying that again. Is I called somebody a bum that like, yeah, was just like, like, it wasn't like an actual, I don't remember who it was, but we were in the store and I was like, this fucking bum. She's like, bro, let's bring back the word bum because it is so humiliating to just be called a bum. So like it will like knock you off any pedestal you feel like you're on. I used to like to use that word for uh, friends, boyfriends that we didn't like. Yes, uh, yes, because that's what it is. But also, um, <laughs> you're a fucking bum. <laughs> look at this fucking bum. Yeah, <laughs> that's also very big in New York, though. Like they'll yell. Like I'm thinking about ba- baseball is all I'm thinking about right now because the season started again. But it's like <laughs> you scream at the umpire. You fucking bum. bum. <laughs> so true yeah i've only ever actually like heard it referred to like people that we just like do not like like at all because when i first said it my boyfriend was like oh you mean like homeless people that seems a little fucked up i'm like no we don't call home like well people without homes i don't like to use like the or or people who are oh what's the term i don't should cons- use i don't think bum and and when i th- those two words uh and person who is without residence are not the same thing correct Correct. Like, bum he, to me is like a synonym for like he's a loser. Like he, you know, doesn't yeah, he's have a, his life he's a together. fucking piece of trash. He's a fucking piece of trash. Right. Yeah. He he had only ever heard it in reference to like people who are homeless, and I'm like, no, I would never call a homeless person a bum. That's fucked up. No, but did I? My friend's this? my friend's trashy boyfriend. He's a, a bum. bum. <laughs> I was gonna say the the one time I don't know if I told this story on here, but I was walking in the city with my friend. And this per- homeless person had come up to us and he was like, hey, he was like, you know what bum stands for? And I was like, no. And he goes, brother under modification. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. I- he didn't even ask me for money, but I gave him like five dollars because I was just like, you really put a smile on my oh face. My- <laughs> I, I wish you the best, sir. Yeah. My dad, anytime we were like on subways and, you know, would, um, like solicitors would come around. My dad's always like, if they can make me laugh, if they sing or entertain me, I'm happy to give them money. Like, yeah, which he's gotten in so much trouble with cops because you're really not allowed to give money on the train. And he's gotten in so much trouble before with cops. And my dad's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, he's playing the harmonica. Like, my, my dad just is always like, he fucking entertains us. He's working for this. Yeah. Um, so I would never call somebody like that a bum versus like just like a trash human being like you're a bozo you're right. a bum you're a piece of trash you like, are not a brother under modification you are you not, are not. any modifications <laughs> you are just you are a you are just a bum like like i said it and Kristen was like oh like oh i felt it i'm like yeah it hits you right in the chest so we're gonna bring that back like what a fucking I, bum i agree i also need to tell you what i've been saying which again i don't remember if i've said it on here before because time is a flat circle in the parallelogram but uh, I've been saying as an insult to people when they're frustrating me, what are you, brand new? 
<laughs> no, you have not said that, but I love that one. That uh, one is like, or um, act like you've been somewhere before. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> I say that to my students all the time. I'm like, are you brand new? Like, can you act like you've been somewhere before? Oh my God. Great. Truly just, truly just brings them right back down to earth. Um, but anyway, I'm really excited for what we're, we're kind of yeah. talking about. We've been obsessing over the past probably like two weeks now. Demi Lovato and her, so she released the documentary as long uh, alongside her uh, new album, Dancing with the Devil. And how did you like kind of find out about her release? Like, do you follow her on Instagram? So I don't. It's weird. Like pop stars, I, I try to, as I've gotten older, I've tried to listen to as much kind of music as I can to, mm-hmm. you know, just in general, uh, except country still can't do it. Sorry. Um, sorry to everybody who loves country music, but I can't do it. Um, because I like things that tell stories and I know you'll argue that country music does do that, but those are not the stories. Actually, I, I would, I would not say that whatsoever. Really? I like country music, but it all sounds like the same shit over and over again. Okay. So I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you that. Okay, great. Um, anyway, so I like stuff that tells a story and uh, usually like pop stuff comes up on my radar if somebody recommends it to me. Um, mm-hmm. but I will say in the most I say it's in recent years, I would say that pop stars have been adding more of a musical, like real instrumental element to their Mm -hmm. sound, which Mm -hmm. I think in general has made me more like, oh, let me see what's going on here. Um, But so, no, I don't follow her. I forgot how it came up on my radar. I truly think I was on YouTube one day and or maybe Twitter and I saw an ad for the documentary Um, And I watched the trailer and being somebody who has struggled with addiction, I was like, oh, this looks good. Like, and I knew Mm -hmm. about her overdose back in 2018. um, And I felt so bad when I had seen that news come out. I was like, God, Mm -hmm. that's that's insane. I I hope she's okay." Um, You know, and I know a couple of her songs that had been radio hits in the past years. Obviously, that that always makes its way onto my radar. But yeah. Uh, that's kind of like because I, I didn't follow her like religiously yeah, up yeah. until that point. We all know "Cool for the Summer," um, yep. gay anthem right there. Uh, <laughs> I've yeah. been revisiting that, by the way, and I'm like, "Yep, still, still great." Um, One thing, just like a side note, tell me you love me. That album, you should definitely listen to. That okay. is one of her best albums if you ask me but go ahead interesting because I was gonna say I was then I was like going back because what I do when I discover an artist and uh they're not I don't want to say discover because I I, she wasn't completely but they're new to you they're more new to you their collection is newer to me that I'm like once I like one body of work then I go back and see what I like from their Mm -hmm. other albums and um you know I've just like dipped and dabbed in some of the other songs from the other albums but I think that this album showcases her vocals the hands down the best. Like, cause I've seen live videos of her too. And I'm like, damn, I, like aside from like Dua Lipa this past year, I'm like, I don't think I've ever said I want to go see a pop stars tour. Cause it's just a lot, like a lot of dancing and like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's cool yeah. if you're into that, but not really yeah. what I go for, but I would go see that woman sing cause her voice. And I always wondered why I would hear, see these live videos and her voice was like, God, that's an incredible voice. And then some of the album stuff, like it seems like it's pulled back a little bit mm-hmm. and like toned down a little bit on some songs. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not sorry is a great song that I think showcases those vocals. But other than a, a couple like random spots on some of yep. those albums, it seems yep. like 
up it's until way this, toned down. Yes, up until yep. I would say this release, which I have not stopped listening to. Um, <sighs> same, same. Yeah. Um, I'm getting goosebumps as you're like talking about it. Yeah. Um, so I would also argue for you're saying sorry, not sorry, but tell me you love me. The actual song, so it's the name of the album, but also the song itself. To me, is like one of those songs that like you hear her range. Um, but yeah, I so I similarly to you, I'm not someone who ever idolizes or puts literally anybody on, on a pedestal that to me, in my mind, I'm like, you're just human. The only difference is, is you get more attention than me. That's literally the only difference between you and me. Yes. Like, of course, like we can get more in depth to like your financials is definitely way more different <laughs> than you and me. But, um, I don't, um, I try not to like glorify people. And I think Nicole bro would tell you that cause she works in that industry she'll always say I'm one of her favorite people to bring to those spaces because I'm a good conversationalist because I won't like overly uh, like, like, like drool over people or we you know sure. what I mean? Like I don't fangirl that hard. Very few people I will fangirl, um, especially in the pop reference world. Like I really always struggled. Obviously Britney Spears was like, is probably the love of my, like that's my queen. Um, but that is like the only one I've ever had. Like I like Lady Gaga, right? Like there's all, there's all these other like diva-esque people. I like Whitney Houston and like all these other people. But Britney obviously is my queen. We're 90s kids. Like that's who we grew up with. But then back in like 2011, um, Demi was also like, we have to remember she was like a Disney kid. Yeah. Um, which uh, like. Did you watch those shows? No. So I had nieces and nephews that did. Like, that's why, like, I, like, seen her. So when I heard her, um, then the album Unbroken, the song Skyscrapers, which was, like, one of the biggest, song, like, songs mm-hmm. off of it, I remember hearing it being, like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed with this song. Like, who is this? And my sister-in-law was, like, this is Demi Lovato. This is, she was on, I think, um, not Good Luck, Charlie. It was Sunny, Sunny with, with a chance. chance. That's what it was, Sunny with a Chance. And she's, like, this is the girl from Sunny with a Chance. I'm, like, What? is this really the same person? And then like, obviously camp rock and the whole thing kind of took off from there. And obviously like I wasn't buying into the whole Disney character itself, but I was kind of following her musically from that like 2011 album, uh, which I believe it's called unbroken. Um, I'd been following her from there, but then slowly like she released her first documentary after like right around the time, tell me you love me was coming out. Mm-hmm. and I was following her and I like watched the documentary and I just like was like I am in love with this girl like there's so much relatable content and vulnerability because that's why I don't really think I fangirl over people is because they don't there's no sense of vulnerability to them it's almost like this untouchable unrelatable context to them that I just do not like yes and I don't feel that with her yeah I I agree I um I she popped up a little bit more on my radar obviously when cool for the summer came out because I also, like, I know she's just recently came out as pansexual, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and but since Cool for the Summer came out, in my mind, I was like, this girl is bi. Like, <laughs> like at the least, <laughs> at the very least, this whole song is about oral sex. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, anyway, but so then she kind of popped up on my radar after that, and I was just like, oh yeah, I remember from those shows. Like, mm-hmm. shit was good. Um, so. So yeah, so she that's how that that kind of thing, but you're right. I think the reason that and I as I said before that pop music doesn't always grab me right away is because I like to hear a story and I like to hear sometimes like a relatable story. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. I've had my share of heartbreak, but 
you know, all those heartbreaks are usually about like straight relationships. And I don't really get that. Um, you know, I've been in those relationships before I came out, but it just, I don't know. I just could never really hear, like, I couldn't relate too much, you know? Um, and so I think as her career has developed, it's been nice to see her kind of, uh, you know, kind of come more into herself. Mm-hmm. And uh, the documentary kind of explores this one that just came out, which, um, so I will say I watched the first two episodes of the documentary. Okay. Okay. Then I saw the video for Dancing with the Devil, which absolutely gave me chills. Um, and it was just a beautiful piece of art. Um, very brave of her, very punk rock of her, honestly, to mm-hmm. do. Um, and then Which she's the a album. little she's a little punk rock queen. If you watch if you go back and go uh, watch her first really big documentary that came out she, at the end of it, she's at like a it's not Mayday Parade, but it's like this emo concert where she's just like screaming and belting her heart out. So I'm like, oh, she's like a little punk rocker. So like she's been like coined as like this little like poppy diva. But like, like she has a little bit of anger and angst underneath there. Oh, I would say significant. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's great. Um, And so so the the documentary basically explores um, her overdose uh, from 2018. Um, Mm -hmm. It was interesting because they were happened to have been filming another documentary for her that year. And then they stopped because of the overdose. So it was it's a little haunting even to see some of the footage like months before the overdose and you know, um, it's just, it was brilliant. And I know some people are giving her very few though, I would say that I've seen, but some people are giving her shit for the video, uh, the, her music video for dancing with the devil, which by the way is a blues fucking bop. And I have never heard her voice more suited to do Mm -hmm. that song, but, um, are giving her shit because they're saying that she's like glorifying her overdose, which is not at all the vibe that I got from that video. That video is very difficult to watch. Uh, and it is, it's a reenact. Uh, it's a reenactment of the, of the whole night. Essentially. Almost, almost exactly. And, uh, so my sister hasn't seen it yet, but we were talking about it and I was like, watch the, f- cause I think it hit so hard because I saw the first two episodes of the documentary, mm-hmm. which they go into very yep. graphic very, detail yep. about yep. what happened. Um, and then you see the video and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this bitch did this. Like, if you asked me to, like, recreate the night, one of the nights that I had very severely almost died, like, mm-hmm. I would, I don't know if I would be able to do that. I don't know if I'd want, yeah. like, you know. It's hard to kind of, it's kind of hard to look that in in a, in a mirror in a way and look at yourself and be like, I can't believe I did this. I do I can see why people would say that, but those people to me are then so very uneducated around trauma and healing. So I think for her, I think for her being able to make like an art out of it and like be like, really like get into the nitty gritty. Cause for her, she was like, I need to know every detail of what happened. Right. She met with her. So she talks about meeting with the neurologist that kind of like, cause she had three, she had two strokes and a heart attack. Yep. And so like it fucked with her vision, right? Like all from this, this overdose. And she needed to know every single detail because for her, she's like, I need to own every single piece of this, which I mean, from your perspective, I don't, I don't think there is one way in which I, so I myself obviously don't, uh, struggle with addiction. However, something that really has humbled me. And I think either from like, obviously watching you through your own recovery, but 
um, I, I've never actually really told people this before, but I was seeing somebody in recovery for a really long time. And from my experience with him, my, my eyes were opened up to this whole other concept of recovery. Um, and so like, I think there's so many misconceptions people get wrong about people with addiction. And so it humbled me like my first time in therapy, I had said to my therapist who actually works really with teens, um, in, in recovery. And I said to her, like, I was like, well, I just don't have an addictive personality. It was like something like I've heard tons of people say, I myself have said it. And she humbled me so fucking quick. And she was just like, uh, uh, we all have an addiction within us. Some of us have just been very fortunate to never have encountered our vice. But each one of us can't, well, like each one of us has an addiction inside of us. Some, some of us have met it. Some of us have not. Or, and, or know what? Some of us have an addiction in a very different, different way. Yeah. So, um, like, I think the most common one that like you and I would never even think of. So there's like eating disorders, but then there mm-hmm. are people who have like an addiction to like constantly thinking about like food intake or like the, the body dysmorphia, which is one of the reasons I also really love Demi is because like she struggles with that like body images a lot. So in the first documentary, I was like, Oh my God, this, this is something I so heavily relate to. But then I think there's so many, I, I don't know. What do you think? What would you say is maybe some of the biggest misconceptions people have around addiction and recovery? Um, that, well, okay. This is, uh, we'll jump to the last part of the documentary, which is one of my favorites, obviously, cause it's the whole redemption arc, but, mm-hmm. um, that addiction, uh, and recovery is one size fits all, which it's not. Mm-hmm. Recovery right. to me is one, not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says that. And I like really was so like excited, to, which made me again, like just jumping on board with this gal even more. <laughs> like that she said recovery is not one size fits all. And that mm-hmm. has very much been my experience with recovery. I've been sober for five, a little over five ne- years now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've tried multiple different programs um you know there are you know and even in that last episode you have people saying like you know she says she's california sober Mm -hmm. which um you know she means that she dabbles in moderation in alcohol and will smoke weed on occasion Mm -hmm. um because she feels that she can do that in moderation i know a lot of people out here i mean this sounds like it's specific to California, but it is just a term. But I do know I have a lot of friends who would I would say are quote unquote California sober because that works for them. And right. I think that's great. Like, is that my thing? No. But, um, you know, I know like what my thing is. My thing is alcohol. And mm-hmm. I will never be able to have that in moderation. I know that. Right. I can tell you that from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, that will never be a thing for me. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I was fortunate that I didn't really dabble in much harder drugs. Um, you know, I, I I think I've mentioned this on before, but I've done cocaine, but that has been about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really like like that too much. But, um, you know, it could have very possibly been that maybe down the line that would have been a thing. But I was fortunate enough to decide to, um, you know, kind of cut myself off where I was yeah. at before because I'd already had so many dangerous experiences with mm-hmm. alcohol alone mm-hmm. that like, you know, I, I'm just, I would say I'm fortunate. Like I, um, you know, and like I said, I've done a bunch of different programs. I've really, I've always had really great therapists to keep working therapists that specialize with addiction and alcoholism. Um, and 
you know, I've done 12 step work. Um, and I think there are benefits to 12 step work for sure. And I know mm -hmm. this might not be a popular opinion, but I'm going to say it and I hope people don't take it the wrong way. Um, you know, I don't think that's the, I, I, there's a lot that I like that, that, that 12 step programs offer, mm -hmm. but there's also a lot that I don't. Yeah. Um, and you know, I have been able to take so many, I've been take the good things from programs yep. like that. Um, yep. while also knowing like when I need to pull back and knowing that I need to stay true to what's been working for me yep. for five years. Yep. Um, so seeing her say that this prominent, you know, figure, um, you know, was very like, it was like encouraging, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I also like that she says like, this isn't for everybody. Like, and I think yep. that's, the biggest misconception about getting sober and addiction is just like, you need to find what works for you. Yeah. Like, you know, I, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'll say about that. <laughs> I know. I, I would agree. I know that was a misconception I myself, um, had. And I, so the person I was dating, he was California sober at the time and I couldn't right. understand like he would smoke weed and he would drink. But for him, it was like, this isn't what, I, I struggle with, like, I've been around alcohol and marijuana my whole life since I was a teenager and never felt the need to abuse these things. Or I know my limits, or I can have a glass of wine or I could smoke, right? Like I don't need it every single day. Like it can be in my life. And so I was exposed to that. And that's why I, I also think like, he also hated the 12 step program. He was like, that is not how my sobriety is going to look. And he was on like the, the harder stuff. Like I, obviously it's not my place to divulge the full information, but sure. you know, he, he had, he himself had overdosed multiple times. Um, one of those times similar to Demi, it was fentanyl that, that kind of, um, landed him at his quote unquote rock bottom. But, um, yeah, he, he, he was like, this 12 step program is, is not what's going to work for me. Right. Like accountability is what I need putting things into my life that like lets me exist in the gray area. Um, things like I, I, so I would agree that that's probably the biggest misconception. I think the other thing that I don't know if it's like a misconception as much is like the thing for, for me is people think addiction is a choice mm. in some way. Um, I think that was another big learning curve for me that I've, I've gone through a lot of education on it is, is it actually is a big part of mental, mental health. And so being able to connect the two, like we can't talk about addiction without talking about mental health. And um, so many people think like, well, why can't they just get sober for me? Or why can't they just, right? Like you look at, like, again, we look at Demi and it's like her little sister, she has some of the best friends, the best support system, the access to everything. And at the end of the day, like, she can't tell herself I'm never going to do X again. And it's not a matter of choosing these people over the drug. Like it, it's not, it's not like that. It's really more of this is, this is something that you almost don't have a choice over yes. sometimes. Yes. Like I don't I know if you would agree. I do agree. I always say like, uh, you know, I, I mean, I wake every, I wake up every day and I do what I do to keep myself sober. And that's mm -hmm. how I get through each day. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't say that I, you know, as much as I want to say, like, and I, I have probably said like, you know, oh, I, I'll never touch alcohol again. I was like, you know, that that's, that's not my disease, though. Like, mm -hmm. that's like, it could just very well, you know, but, um, you know, you just have to kind of keep doing again, what works for you? What do we put in place to yep. 
realize, you know, also like what's interesting is, um, you know, 12 step programs will uh, describe the disease almost as like mm-hmm. an allergic reaction to huh. alcohol, um, which I think is a, in one way, a good way to describe it um, because this is so disgusting. And I don't think I've ever said this like on a public forum before, but sometimes uh, when I smell alcohol, I salivate like as Whoa. if you, you put like a steak and you're hungry in front of mm-hmm. you. like, right. Mm-hmm. If you were hungry and you put like a food you really wanted in front of yep. you, your mouth yep. waters. Yep. So I will walk yep. past a bar sometimes and salivate mm. at that, which is disgusting. I mean, it's um, your human, you're conditioned at the world. Right. It's almost well, like a part of the disease to be conditioned. Right. Uh, which is insane considering how many times I've been sick. You know, like a lot of people will get sick off of, you know, that one time that they drink too much and be like, oh, every time I smell that I gag. And that just clearly never took with me. Um, I don't know if you were at uh, Kristen's 21st birthday. And I apologize if you were because I've damaged Clearly, I was very that was one of the first nights that I like got very ill mm-hmm. from alcohol. And I can tell you right now, it was spite drinking that did that to me. Yep, yep. Um, so I'm the type of person, which is another thing watching this documentary that I agreed very much with, like a lot of her issues from what I gathered. I'm not a doctor mm-hmm. <laughs> from watching this were based around control. And Mm -hmm. I function in very much the same way. As soon as I feel that I've been put in a box or that too much restriction has been like clamped down on me, then I start to get those feelings like, well, I'll show you, you can't, you Mm -hmm. you can't tell me what to do. Like Mm -hmm. this, this guy was like, oh, like being a dick that whole time we were at this party. And he was basically saying like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'll show you, I'm going to drink this whole bottle of rum by myself. You can't Mm -hmm. have any. Mm-hmm. Which is like, what normal person has that response to something? Mm. But like, it was anger and spite, which is uh, something I know about myself that I will use that as a way to spite, like cut, basically the definition of cutting off your nose to spite your face. face so yeah. Like, why would you do that to yourself? You know, yeah. Um, as if uh, another way I think of it as well, uh, the way my disease works is, um, what is that Buddhist quote that's like drinking? Uh, oh, anger is holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to person die. To die, yeah. And that is literally how I function. Where <laughs> you know, like I know that when I have that substance, you know, with me, that that's what I will do. Not in every situation, but in you know certain a situations. A lot of those, yeah. That, right. So it's just like, oh, you think I'm X, Y, and Z? Watch me destroy myself. You mm-hmm. know, so. Um, there's that also, but see, these are all things that I've learned about myself, like through recovery mm-hmm. that then help me to kind of manage how I am day to day. Like, you know, uh, uh I would say, I, I don't want to make a generalization, but, you know, dealing with emotions is also, I think something that, you know, like a lot of addicts might, might struggle with as part yep. of, you know, and uh, one of the things I had to learn when I first got sober was just like, well, we're horrifyingly upset or we're horrifyingly angry. Mm-hmm. Now we just have to sit with this and we yep. have to deal with it and feel it and we can cry and we can scream. But yep. what we can't do is we can't drink. Right. So, um, you know, I think knowing that and then also knowing this, again, is just my personal way that I've been, you know, doing this for the past five years is also knowing that um 
that feeling is not going to last. Like right. almost every time that I've felt that way, you know, deal with the emotion, like do what you have to do journal, like go for, I go for like a walk, a long walk yep. with some music, um, you know, get that emotion out. Yep. And then you go to bed that night next day, almost nine out of 10 times you wake up feeling better. Like even yep. if it is, lingers a little bit, it will pass. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, that's what I have to say about that as well. I would, I would agree. And I also think for her, the reason she went so far to the other end in her relapse was because for six, seven years, she was in such like a confined, like no one could even have like certain foods around her. No one can like without being like kicked off a tour, kicked out or fired. Like, are you really in recovery if every single piece of your life is so controlled to your environment and you're not living like is is that really freedom right like this whole concept of like this choice and whatnot so I agree with that I also think you mentioned Kristen's 21st birthday and I think something you I was so I was not there because I was not 21 yet I'm my birthday's after Kristen I I was like oh my god tell me that Anna was there and I have just completely (laughs) destroyed my mind to the point where I did not remember I was not I've been with you in other times when you had been been drinking more earlier on, but then also later on. And I think something that's really, you did a very good job of, and I think uh, people with it or who, who are in recovery and have struggled with addiction um, do a really good job of, is they do a really good job of protecting the people around them from what's actually going on. So, and I think you- Some people would call that lying. Yes, but yes, but I I acknowledge it now as like, you were protecting yourself, but you were also protecting us. Like me, Kristen, like you, like, yes, we saw things, but like you were protecting us from the depths of it. And, um, I think like, again, Demi, Demi does the same thing. She says all the time, like she's the best liar in the entire world. Like she's an amazing manipulator. And yes, I think it's so much of it is because maybe at the the core, I can't, I won't speak for you. So please like tell me if I'm off base, but so much of it is like anger and shame. That's so hard to sit with. And so when you do this, this thing that is harmful to you, you're protecting us from the shame that you feel. And you're also protecting yourself from the shame you will continue to feel from us. Yes, I would say there's definitely an element to that of it. Um, One of the things I used to do, if you recall, when I would get too drunk is I would like to start fights. Yep. Um, You are a very, I also remember one night you you were, it wasn't like, and I'm not trying to like make you feel shame or feel bad, no, but no, I've, I've, we've, we, I knew this was going to be the discussion going into this. So I do remember a time where yes, you started fights, but also you would like kind of like zone out to the people around you. It was almost like the way you detached from me and Kristen. Like I remember one night I, I felt like I was like, I hardly saw Cola tonight, but also like, I don't like, is she okay? Like she's not really talking to us. It was like, you went into like a like a, such a dark place that I think that was always what was really hard for also me to watch. Yes. And I feel bad that I, you you know, oh. about that later on. No, no, no. Don't I know we're, we're good. We're good. Yeah, but- no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not to, to shame you. Cause like I no. said, you protected me so much from what actually was occurring with you. But yes, I have a lot of, uh, I'm very grateful that I've always been a big journaler because I wrote a lot of this down and I'm glad I did too, because sometimes when I'm feeling like, um, you know, like 
uh, I, I've said it, the opening lyrics of Dancing with the Devil, like, ooh, those cut me. Like, it's like, uh, feels like it's worth it. I Don't I deserve it? Right, like, yep. I've had moments, I would say, like, when even when I first moved out to LA, that, like, I, I was just very lonely and very, like, um, you know, very, like, fuck it. Like, look at what I've done to my life now. Like, I left all this behind in New York. I fucked up. Like, I deserve, like, you know, a drink. I never did, mm-hmm. but you know, cause I have my tools that I use mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. not do that, but it was definitely, and you know, uh, something that, that does come to mind for an addict, but, um, well, what was I saying? Oh, the zoning out thing. Yeah. Right. Is you that, wore the, jur- yeah. and the journaling and the journaling, uh, because I wrote down, so when I would drink, uh, my night usually goes from, this is great. I'm having a good time. We're getting loose to, I'm having the best fucking time to I want to kill myself. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, not like, I mean, like, you know, that depth of feeling. I never attempted to do that when, you know what? I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say that I would do things, again, like the fighting that would... uh, Put you in harm's way. Yes. Like, it reaches the point where the fun part's over and now I feel Mm self-punishing. So I'm going to do anything that is going to increase my chances of that, which includes starting fights with people that would are bigger than me and can mm-hmm. like hurt me, but also like cause problems. You ever see that uh, <laughs> meme from uh, the untitled goose game? It's like the stupid goose at a picnic. And it's like, I will cause problems for no reason. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that was always my MO that I'm like, I'm going to cause problems for no reason. Yep. Um, so like if someone even like a little bit got on my nerves, they were probably also drunk. Like, you know, I would attempt to like physically fight them. Yeah. Um, not just, uh, you know, people my size, but also men, um, because I'm like, I would, I would do this thing where I would antagonize them to the point mm-hmm. of maybe they'll like, cause if they swing at me first, then it's like, you're in the wrong buddy. You're going to try and hit a woman. Um, even yep. though I'm like doing everything to like bait, them actually to do get it. them there. Yeah. Right. Uh, and another thing I would do, which I don't know if I ever did this with you and Chris, but, um, poor Christina had the brunt of this where, I would zone out, which you guys had often seen, um, and I would just fucking leave wherever yeah. we were mm-hmm. and, like, wander away. Um, I, I hate that I had to put, you know, her through that um, because I just remember one night I left this party and we were in um, – we were somewhere in Brooklyn, but we were near, like, the Pulaski Bridge – Okay. And I remember like just stumbling up the stairs that I was walking. I walked all the way back to Queens, like drunkenly didn't tell anybody that I left. I was like borderline blackout, but I remember yeah. walking on the bridge and it's like three in the morning. Like, and like, so I wasn't intending to do anything like, you know, I wasn't like, I'm going to jump off this bridge, you know, like, mm-hmm. but you know, those are actions that are like, that's a very dangerous thing to do by yeah. yourself in the yeah. state you're in. So yeah. You know, so it got like, and that's, um, you know, that when you're getting to that point consistently and it yeah. took like years to get to that point consistently, I wouldn't say, uh, as soon as I started drinking this, I was like this. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, when that's happening consistently, then, uh, that's when you decide things, either things change or they get worse. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think she was right in saying you don't get sober until you decide you want to get sober. I fully yeah. believe that you can't make somebody do it, but when they decide like it's enough, then, you know, then they decide to make changes. But yeah, no, you, like I said, I think I like don't, I didn't realize really 
until maybe like a few years ago when I was learning about all this stuff myself, like, holy shit, cola really protected. Cause I remember even when you, you said like, I'm not going to drink anymore. I was just like, Oh, okay. Like I, I was like, all right, that's, that's great. Like, that's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. Like I never really asked questions and until like little by little, like I learned more as we, as time went on, like I, I remember like putting pieces together after, right? So like when you came to visit me at Penn State, you were in a really, really dark place and I was really trying to like help you. Cause I feel like we've always kind of understood each other on a very different level that like maybe, or maybe this is how I assumed it. I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but- No, you're, you're, like, you're nailing we, it. <laughs> we didn't have to, we didn't have to explain a whole lot, right? Like you could say things to me and it wouldn't need a whole lot of explanation. Like I would kind of just get it. And I would never like, or, or I never tried to make you feel bad or like, I'm a very guilt-free type friend. Like yeah. whatever the fuck you do, whatever the fuck you say, I'm not going to make you feel guilty for it. I'm not going to make you feel like this is never a space you can come back to um, or judged by. And so I'm like, maybe I should have asked more questions, but then I'm like, I see now, like you were literally just trying to protect me from being like, cause I never, I never really thought of you as someone who, who was, was an addict or in recovery until you said the words yourself. Yeah. I just uh, thought of you was like no longer drinking. I was just, yeah. this is just my friend Cole and she doesn't drink anymore. Like I never thought of it any other way but that. My first therapist that I had uh, when I got sober, who was uh, very experienced in working with people in recovery, basically, you know, I used to joke about it, which is something that I also love to do when I don't want to talk about something <laughs> serious. <laughs> Where I'd be like, uh, oh, heads up, the fire truck's coming down my block. I know, um, it makes me feel like you're in Brooklyn. I live on the same block as a fire station. Um, but, uh, you know, I used to joke about it with friends and some of our mutual friends that, like, uh, people said it to me, too. They're like, you're like a functioning alcoholic. And mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I am a functioning alcoholic. And yeah. I was like, and the key word there is functioning. Functioning. But it's like... <laughs> You know, if you take the alcoholic part away, like life gets a lot easier, yeah. <laughs> um, you know? Um, and yes, I did hide a lot. Uh, I, cause you know, I would just go off and like, you know, everybody's at, at a party and like, you know, you start to notice things like I'm the only one getting like this all of a sudden, you know, like mm -hmm. at this level, because I don't know if a lot of you knew this, but I used to mix a lot. Um, yep. and you know, I don't tell or drink straight. I drank straight a lot, but like, uh, I also like, I would mix without a care in the world. Like, I, like I'm telling you, like I am the person that I'm like, you give me the green light and like, we're off to the races because the first time I mixed, like, you know, that whole like liquor before beer, you're in the clear, mm -hmm. like the first time I did the reverse and I didn't get sick and I like was mixing things and I was like, and I was just like, that's bullshit. Like I can, I'm, I can do whatever I want. Um, then I just started doing that consistently. And then once I did start getting like very, very violently ill, um, while wow, the sirens are just perfectly timed right now, <laughs> I don't know if they're being picked up on this, but <laughs> perhaps. I mean, still no, you live in a city. And if anything, we'll just say you're in Brooklyn. Anyway. Uh, this Lord, is an authentic is this is an authentic experience right now. It's like this is the only fire station sending trucks out right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Anyway, the point is, uh, you know, once I, or even if I was like taking medication because I was sick, I was sick a lot. I would get sick a lot, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, like just not like physically ill from drinking, but like my immune system was very poor and Mm -hmm. I would tend to be in, you guys always used to joke, you're just like, I feel like you're always sick, right? That was like always the thing Kristen used to say. And I would always be on some kind of medication. Like I would just Google until I found the answer that said it was okay to drink with whatever medication I was taking, which the answer, it's never okay to drink with medication. (laughs) Um, But you found that one Google source that was probably like some 20 year old kid being like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. And great. That's a one way ticket to hallucinate. Let me tell you. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I would do a lot of that in private. Um, Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't know, like, because who's taking stock of, like, what I'm ordering at the bar or where right. where I'm at at the party and what I'm right. drinking, you know? Like, you're just kind of, like, bopping around. And if you think nothing's wrong with your friend or they don't have a problem, uh, which is even addressed in the documentary when, you know, uh, before Demi's relapse, she says that, uh, you know, I told my friends that I'm going to smoke a little weed and have a drink. And, like, if they don't know that your your real vice is, like, the harder stuff, then they don't yeah. see that as a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, like, so kind of like that, where I was just like, oh, I'm just going to get drunk with the, with everybody this weekend. It's like, you're not seeing me be like, I'm going to order a shot here yeah. in between my rums. Or, or like, if I'm at the bar, that like, I know one of my other friends that was in recovery, infamous for, because we don't be like, how'd they get so fucked up so quick? When they were at the bar being like, oh, I'll go get us our drinks. You were like, cool. They like order two shots for themselves, take yep. it and then bring it back. Right. Like, so it was always in secret that like they were secretly getting more fucked up than the rest of us yeah uh i will never i mean like the night that i like had my last my my little rock bottom there um i was drinking whiskey from a flask i had purchased and Mm. um you know my friend like christina and chris like disappeared uh you know at one point and then i was going shot for shot of tequila at the bar with a friend with another friend of mine who also didn't realize that like I had a severe problem. Yeah. Um, and when they came back, they were like, she was just face down at the, on the bar. We don't know what happened. Like, and it's just like, like, but no one else at the party knew that I was drinking whiskey all night, you know, Mm. like before that. And the irony of it is I will never forget. This is the photo is still on my Instagram, but I took a picture of the flask that night Mm because it was new year's Eve, which I think might be a lot of people's, uh, you know, rock bottoms but Mm -hmm. the flask uh says best intentions on it Hmm. and i definitely don't know if i had the best intentions but um there's some irony there somewhere well the also the irony is the flask has been missing ever since that night i never found it don't know what happened to it at this party probably threw it somewhere probably someone took it away from me if they found it on my person maybe it was it just i have never seen it since then and i felt like that is like uh, a sign yep. when you, you know, um, I've had plenty of flasks throughout my life. I, I thought it was a cute little fashion accessory. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew you then then it would go missing. That's, that is pretty wild. You know, I think the other thing was, and maybe again, perhaps it's, it's a misconception is this concept of rock bottom, right? Like, is that every single person has to have like a, you're cut off, you're broke, you're you're homeless or now like you're kicked out you can't make rent you can't function at your job like again this this whole concept of like what we have thought addiction is like 
I we literally know nothing like as a society like it's so shunned and talked about and one of the things I like loved about Demi's documentary the last episode where she like talks when she's cutting her hair right all the shit that. that was put on me those gender norms I wanted it off of me like I wanted everything off of me because all these things are constantly existed, is existing, especially with addiction in silence. Yeah, I think the other misconception is like rock bottom does not look the same, just like recovery does not look the same for everybody. Like, thank God we did not need to send you to a hospital to get your stomach pumped and a tube shoved down your throat. I, I will say a couple of those times I probably needed to go to a hospital. Yes, yes. But like you didn't wake up in the hospital with the tube stuffed down your throat and you're like, okay, I need to get help, right? Like, Right. Yes. Well, it's, I woke up on the floor of my apartment and my f- friend was like, maybe we need to think about like what next steps are basically. Yeah. What would you say then? So similar for her, like Demi says, like, I, I can't, I can't exist in the black and white. Like that for me is too restricting. Cause like you said, that mentality of if you shove me in a box, I'm going to claw my way out and I'm going to fucking go the whole other side. What would you say is your mind frame that helps you stay in your space of recovery? (sighs) That's a good question. Um, Well, I, all of the, the where I've gotten to in my life now in the past five years, I know that I will lose it if Mm. I, you you know what I'm saying? Like that is always a good thing that keeps me right. uh, Knowing that all these good things, my, my girlfriend, my job, my life, like, don't get me wrong, I had a pretty good job, even when I was active in my uh, alcoholism. But, um, you know, it wasn't, I was not like, it wasn't smooth sailing by any means, you know, and Mm -hmm. I things just kind of become harder. I think what I need to know is that the box, um, you know, and again, like I said, I've worked a bunch of different programs, and I will 100% respect anyone who's says like 12 steps are like the the way it is and that's the way you got to do it and i i've met some great fucking people Mm -hmm. um you know but i think uh and i i I, like i said i there's stuff from the 12 steps that i really really like um but i know that when i tend to um you know in the times that i've gone like full into it and then i'm like this is great this is working then eventually um it's almost like the pressures of that start Mm -hmm. to enclose on me Mm. And then I start to pick myself apart thinking like, I'm not doing like enough of this, Mm -hmm. you know, enough of that. Um, You know, and that's when I start to panic and feel like I'm in that box again that I'm like, Mm. Oh, Oh no. Um, Like I need to get out. Yeah. So, and not out as in like, I'm going to fall off the wagon, but it does put that, it, it puts that similar pressure. And that's something that I've talked, you know, with my, this is also, I'm being very candid to a lot of strangers right now. Um, so, but when uh, you think about it, isn't that what Demi just did? Yes, but she is a multi-platinum pop star, and I am a woman in Los Angeles. <laughs> yes, but what I mean by is everybody's story is inspiring right. somebody else's story. Um, true. So I mean, so yeah, when I when I feel that, um, you know, I I um, I feel like I need to take a step back and remember, like that stuff is good, but I've also worked really hard to kind of keep my, my own thing going that I'm like, this is what works for me. Uh, You know, like I'm not, like I said, I'm not California sober, but for my friend that has uh, struggled with, um, you know, the harder stuff, she's California sober. And honestly, like she is thriving. I've never seen her like so happy. And 
Um, you know, I think that's great that that works for her. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work for me, but you know, like whatever, whatever it is that, that is your thing, like that's, yep. that's awesome. Like whether that's, you know, and I appreciate too, at the end of the documentary, they do have people in there that are like <laughs> fucking Elton John that he's like, <laughs> Uh, it's either abstinence uh, for everything or, you know, like otherwise it's going to you're going to relapse or whatever. And I just I, right. I don't know if I I don't know if I agree with that, but I appreciate the other perspective on that. Right. Right. Um, you know, like and I think that's fine. And, you know, he can say that and still have plenty of respect for, for what she's doing and how she wants to do it. Um, and I think most of all, that's what's most important. Like, Um, You know, however your friend or you or whoever is deciding to do their recovery, um, you know, you should respect that and, um, you know, and respect that, uh, you know, because again, like we don't like we can go on till kingdom come about like why people relapse and why these things happen. Like there I've heard people with 40 years relapsing and then I've heard, you know, just as much as I've heard people with like three months relapsing. So it's, it's a tricky disease. Like there's no like clear thing. And so I think the most that, you know, you can do is to figure out what works for you and then work that. And she even says as well, like, just because this works for me, doesn't mean it works for you. You know? And I respect that as well, because it's like, yes, put that message out there that everybody needs to find what's best for them. There's also not that pressure. If she does fall off the wagon or whatever she she does relapse or in in her recovery it's not a disappointing great big throwing away the last seven years of hard work or the last five years for you of hard work right like they still count like the efforts and what you did in those five years like still count so if I think that pressure of the relapse I think that's what so much many people crumble under is I've been so well for so long. I've been so well for don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. And then you stand in your own way and then you fuck it up, but you don't fuck it up because you were sober or you had been sober. Or you had done all of that work. It's just a matter of, all right, that wasn't the best decision. I'm going to go right back to what I was doing before, but now I'm going to alter it to make sure that then that doesn't happen again. Like it's that grace a little bit that she is kind of talking about. She's like, I can't exist in this space. And I don't know if you feel the same way about your recovery is like, I need this space to know I'm human and that what I'm doing right now does matter no matter what happens tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of, you know, different programs will say, you know, yes, we know we're not perfect. And I agree. Um, you know, but I also see a lot of people, you know, when they come back from relapse, they're like, it's because I wasn't working this program hard enough. And I'm like that. I don't think that's, I don't, don't, don't put that on yourself, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's a lot of like, that's a lot. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so there, that might be a little bit more where I disagree, like, you know, cause I think it's just the nature of addiction. Um, It's a beast. Right. And, you know, there's some people with 30 years that, you know, and even more that end up going to their grave, never having a drink or whatever again. And I think that's fucking awesome. And, you know, there's some people where shit just happens and, you know, then it's okay. And I I fully agree with you in saying that that doesn't erase the time. I mean, if you want to start over counting from day one, sure, that might have to be the case. But, you know, that doesn't erase the the hard work you put in. It doesn't go down the toilet. That's the thing I don't. That's the thing I don't like is like, and I think that's a lot of the pressure again from the, from the guy I was seeing 
that put me under he 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 normalized it so way so well that like in a way that was so digestible because I think that label also has a lot of pressure right and I think that's where she was also talking about how Demi was like you know I was the poster child for this or I was the I was talking at conferences about this so it's like the pressure of even the label of being recovery to some extent is such a pressure that like the pressure is usually what or is a part of what gets people to addiction in the first place. So now you're putting pressure on yourself to the recovery piece. Like that is a cycle that is bound to repeat itself in a bad way. So it's like, stop breaking that ha- like, or start breaking those chains. Right. I agree. I think uh, I'm the type of person that does put that similar amount of pressure on myself. Whereas uh, when I feel that I, you know, um, don't have to, live up to any and I, I can't even imagine first of all what I have to what the expectations I put on myself can't even be like close to what she was feeling as like that person in the public oh, yeah. spotlight um but I also respect her doing this whole kind of documentary uh because you know heroin is like that's a heavy fucking drug that's not a, a tried it to try it drug mm-hmm. you know um and you know, uh, we often associate that with maybe more like, like you don't associate heroin with pop stars. How often no. do you do, you know, no. like, so that's not, that's come- not glitzy or glammy. It's like not Coke. a glam drug. Coke is Coke, a glam. <laughs> Coke is a glam drug. Like that's like the rich white people drug. Like heroin is your grunge, gross, like dirty, right? I like mean, that, like it, it, that's the perception, right? So yeah. like, you know, that's the public perception of these types of drugs. So, um, you know, like when people heard that Kurt Cobain had a heroin addiction, they weren't just like, well, that's a surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like. Uh, <laughs> that adds up. Right. Because of the nature of the music and X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. But like you very rarely associate that with pop music, um, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and so just even her coming out like and saying like, yeah, I had a heroin problem or like uh what what else did she say oh crack cocaine too that's yep. another one she did meth as well and meth yeah like those are those are big guys right there so you don't um, just like you said you don't just try meth no i would also put meth in the category of things that like you know it's funny because i did the cocaine those couple times and i was like um i was like oh man this feels terrible i was like telling it was over the course of like a party weekend that i was with people and I was telling Christine, I was like, never let me do that again. Like, I felt really sick this morning. Like, it did not feel good. And, like, I truly, she goes, and then you ran up to me at the party that night and you're just like, I did it again. And, like, <laughs> so, like I, I can't, funny, you know, it's, it's a little bit funny, but I can't, like, say that, you know, I mean, again, I'm thankful that I never thought, what comes after this? You know, like, mm-hmm. what should I try next? Because mm-hmm. that's when, um, you know, I think that's when we dip into like getting into more trouble. And, uh, you know, I would say, like you said, everybody's like bottom is kind of different. They would call probably what I had a high bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, it's, I'm okay with that. Like, I don't need to go into like rooms or anywhere like coming in with this gnarly fucking story, because what I had to endure felt like gnarly enough for me that I was yep. just like, um, you know what, I don't like, um, I don't like like, the feeling I get like even like like so many things like make me dizzy now like I have a problem with dizziness <laughs> you dizzy bitch <laughs> I that's why I constantly I'm calling myself a dizzy bitch because like I I don't know if it's a result of having like all of this alcohol you know yeah. uh, Equal, your equilibrium for sure 
it's very not what it used to be since I uh, stopped drinking, um, which was, it was, I, I remember that was usually like when I knew like this is going to be a bad night because when things, and actually that weekend I came to visit you at Penn State, I was not feeling good. Um, and mm-hmm. I remember sleeping on your couch with one, with my little trick with the one foot on the floor because I was like, the room is like shaking. Like when the room. Didn't shaked, I teach you that? Because I. You? I think I did because I learned that when I was like 11 years old from one of my cousins who got drank way too much and we were all in a hotel room and I woke up and the bed like the you know like the the mattress was like pushed over (laughs) and it was just like the oh god like the box spring I was like what the fuck happened here and because the floor was too high off the ground like the bed and the floor were too high away from each other. So his leg wouldn't reach. So he had to create a floor for himself to stop the room from spinning. So he it's, put his foot on the, on the, it's the truly box the worst feeling like that, like more so than the smell of alcohol will trigger me like nausea or anything, mm-hmm. because I used to drink to the point, And I don't know if you've ever experienced this on like a one-off situation, but where if I, I couldn't keep my eyes open because if mm-hmm. I opened my eyes the room was shaking like so violently that that opening my eyes was painful. Yeah. Uh, and I've had many experiences. I experienced it that night when I came to see you. I didn't tell you that that's what was happening. Yeah. I was just like, I'm just a little dizzy. But like truly, like I thought if I opened my eyes, I would vomit um, mm-hmm. because nothing was like everything was going just like you, people can't mm-hmm. see me. But I'm like, you know, imagine <laughs> basically imagine like you shaking your computer screen like violently. <laughs> and that's how you see everything. Like I have a particular memory where I'm in the bathroom at Amity Hall and I'm holding onto the toilet to try and stabilize like my world the room Mm -hmm. because I cannot get up I cannot Mm -hmm. like it was just so painful and it oh god absolutely would not I don't want to ever experience that again you know yeah you know I I agree that she her her vulnerability in this whole thing and that's something I think that's that makes me love her again as much as I do and and reminder that's not something I say so easily about artists and and all and like really anybody in the entertainment industry but um her vulnerability and all this or even we I mean we didn't really get into it because I feel like I mean we've talked about these things before but even her sexual assault that night and how she had to reclaim how she had to reclaim her rape right like she went back to him to almost like vindicate like you said like I'm gonna show you cut off your nose to spite your face yeah to to vindicate um herself that is i don't know if like that's a part of like a like like you said you do things like an addict almost everything like an addict even even the shit that doesn't actually kill you i wonder if that is very similar for her is like that that part of recovery or that part of being an addict is like the things we think will make us feel better don't make us feel better it actually makes things worse and that's where i wonder if that's what she did in, in doing that but her, regardless her vulnerability through the whole docuseries in this album is like i i cried through a few songs um dancing with the devil and obviously the video like i got very very emotional um because also like what an imagery right dancing with the devil yeah it's because that's again that's like the big guys that's like heroin that's meth that's like you know I mean, but, the devil can be anything, whatever your demons might be. It, I think it implies obviously more than just those things. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's the extreme, uh, you know, that obviously put her where she was. Completely, um, completely. Um, 
So I know that's that's your favorite or one of your favorite songs. What are your other favorite songs off the album? Okay. We are so in sync because I was about to wrap, start <laughs> wrapping things up with what are your favorite songs. Um, okay, so Dancing with the Devil. Man, I've been like playing that shit on repeat. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, going to do it till I hate it. Um, and uh, <laughs> so there's that. Um, I really like, um, oh man, Met Him Last Night is just a great duet with Ariana Grande. Like that is some like. Ooh, She's another one. I, I, I love Ariana Grande. Like, See, again, I don't to listen the, to her. She's no. she's a powerhouse, Ariana Grande. Yeah, maybe I need to take a dip in um into that as well. Uh, but that duet is fucking phenomenal. So I really like that one. Um, trying to think, I should have this pulled up in front of me because surprisingly, I you, don't know them all by heart. What did heart you yet. think? I'm curious. What did you think of her cover of Mad World? Oh, okay. I would say okay. I like the cover because I love that song. Tears for Fears, great Same. song. Uh, but I didn't, I understand why it's on the album, but it didn't need to be. I felt like that's the only one that I'm like, mm, I could take or leave that. Like only because it, it sounds, so she says, um, that was her favorite song from when she heard it in Donnie Darko, which also was mm. one of my favorite movies as a kid. Um, but, uh, it sounds very similar to that version that is in Donnie Darko. So it's like, mm-hmm. when I hear a cover, I want to hear like a, a twist on it. That's like makes yep. it a little bit more like, oh, this is this person's version. This um, is yours. Right. Uh, not that that she didn't like nail it because it's a great song. She It sounds great. But um, that's the only one that I'm just like, mm, this is OK. Um, yep. But yeah. Uh, sorry. Met him last night. Dancing with the devil. Um, what other people say. The mm. art of starting over. And uh, oh, Melon Cake was definitely in my head this morning. So uh, good. Yeah. And California Sober um, is a great mm-hmm. song. But honestly, it's so hard to pick a favorite because this is one of those albums um, that much like the albums I like to listen to. Uh, and again, this is probably why for a pop album, it appeals so much to me um, that you just need to listen to it in order. Like that's the only yeah. way that you should be. I mean, yeah, I'll go one off and pick my favorites and bop to those, uh, you know, uh, but it's best when being listened to in order. Yeah. It's amazing. So when I texted you that I gave it the first listen, I was mm-hmm. like, I, I need to give it a second listen. I wasn't listening into an order because I didn't realize on my car play, it was on shuffle. And I was Ooh. like, so I love, I was like, okay, I like this song. I like this part of the song, but you're right. Like this is one of those albums that you have to listen in order because yeah. it's like, it's telling a story in a way. Um, I would say I really love ICU her her lullaby to her sister. It's really um, I also good. I also just love the play on the concept of like ICU and the intensive care unit. I, I did like the play on that, um, but it did resonate a little bit harder as like again someone who has been with somebody cared about them while dating them uh, in recovery, and then also like even as when I think of you, I'm like that's something I would want like that help I, I think of myself as like Madison hearing it mm. from, oh, like, I love from that. like you or like you know what I mean like from from that type of perspective of like what you want you want to be there for the person who has to like be a part of or who wants to be in your life while you're also on this path of recovery so that's kind of how I thought of that song and that's what I, I really really loved um yeah I, there isn't a song I I don't I'm like oh I could do without I would agree I, I liked I think she did an amazing job on the Mad World cover but that's because she's just an amazing voice. Yes, exactly. But like, I don't, you're right. I, I don't think it it needed, it didn't play a part in the storytelling the way the other songs did. 
Yes, um, it felt like a one-off. But again, uh, I will say, uh, have you heard Sunset? Because that was on the deluxe edition. Um, and honestly, I'm like, I don't know why this song wasn't on the album. Uh, I definitely recommend listening to it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's on Spotify. Uh, but that, I feel like, could have replaced Mad World, and I would have been chill with that. But either way, it's a great, um, you know, yep. she put it out as a B-side. Um, uh, got yeah. it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do that. The other song I'm... I really love. So I, I agree with you. I love California Sober. I really like Melon Cake, What Other People Say, and Met Him Last Night. So amazing. Um, I do like California. Sorry, I do like California Sober. I didn't love it the first time around. That was one of those songs that later on came on my list as like, a, oh, I like this. Um, but probably my my favorite song is The Way You Don't Look At Me. Oh, God. I, how could I forget that? It's absolutely crippling. <laughs> it, like, Devastating. Like the fact that she's basically saying that like you know i almost died i i was in a lot of pain through these drugs and these overdoses and my sexual assault and all the things i but nothing hurts more than this like the way you don't look at me or the things you you don't even realize i pay attention to um like she talks about like how she lost 10 pounds in two weeks because you made a comment yeah about um and i myself like i've i'm i'm more coming to terms with the fact that, and like me and my therapist, like my, my therapist, bless her soul, is kind of like, she's not going to tell me what I identify with or like what I'm struggling with, but she's like definitely been like more pushing me to look in the mirror when it comes to like my eating habits and my food and like my own body dysmorphia and things like that. So really like that, I was like, that is something that I 100% have done myself before. Like someone's made a comment about how I looked in something and I straight up just stopped eating. Like oh, God. it it does though like the 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 and the way other people think of us does really just play such a big heavy part in the impact of like the, the actions we hold so that song to me was just like oh shit like this this hits very very close to home um i also really love the artist starting over also anyone and i like oh, oh my goodness again see it's so hard to pick a a, a favorite because anyone is like the way she structured it uh obviously this was a very like it's the soundtrack to the documentary as she said Mm -hmm. but anyone so the way this album is structured for people who haven't looked at it yet is the first three songs are like the prelude right Mm -hmm. yeah and so though so it's interesting because there's a track called intro and that's like the fourth song on the album which you think is weird until you listen to it in order and you realize those first three songs are the based around relapse and then you get the intro and then you get art of starting over, which is absolutely incredible. It is a triumphant sounding song. I think I'm getting so many goosebumps. I'm getting so many goosebumps through this whole episode. Um, But yeah, I, I agree. I also think even she ends, does she end with good place? Like on the, on the not deluxe deluxe version. Cause even like, you're right. Um, even I love me, what she released is like a one-off. Um, I do love that song too. So fucking good. But yeah, I do have to listen to deluxe on the non-deluxe album. She ends with, I believe it's good place. Yes. And I think it's like such a hopeful, like you said, I think you said this to me, like, it's just a hopeful note that this whole, like to end on, but also like the whole, the whole album and the whole documentary, as cynical and fucked up as it is, there's so much hope that's like intertwined into all of it. I thought it was you that said this to me. Like, uh, I yeah, I did. Uh, that okay. is exactly what I said. That's how I feel about Good Place. Um, 
I also want to make note because I said I was going to mention this and it seems like we're giving away the whole documentary, but you really need to watch it because we are just basically giving the cliff notes. We truly Um, are. Yeah. She mentions, uh, and I thought this was huge, that she's on Vivitrol. Uh, yeah, which if people don't know what this does um, is essentially if she does happen to relapse with heroin, um, then she will not uh, she won't get high because yep. of this. Uh, I believe it blocks, it's, an, it, it's it, an injectable, but yeah, yeah it's, it blocks yeah. your opiate receptors. Right. So that is huge uh, as far as taking away stigma goes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, it's those what works for her, like she puts these things in place mm-hmm. as like a safeguard. And I think yep. that's really great. And, uh, you know, I've known people that have also been on that as well. Um, and I think that's, I think it's awesome. Um, yeah. You know, and I think it's good to have that out there letting people know, you know, like, hey, this is also an option. Um, yeah. If the, you know, um, so yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, as far Absolutely. as endings go. Yeah, I will also say, um, similar to what I did last week, I linked a podcast episode um, that I really loved with the sexual citizens thing. Um, There's a really great podcast interview she does with Ashley Graham on Ashley Graham's podcast called Pretty Big Deal. It's from like two or three years ago. She doesn't really get into the drug thing. She gets a lot into like the body dysmorphia and her struggles and her her mind frame with recovery um, that I would I'll link because I think people seem to really like the the additional podcast to like an in-depth version of what we're talking about. Oh yeah. Um, so I will link that one from Ashley Graham's pretty big deal podcast, but, um, either way, I just want to thank you so much for your own vulnerability in this. Like, I'm oh. so proud of you and I'm going to cry because I myself have struggled with a lot of this stuff this week. So like, I know I was going to say, I'm, <laughs> I'm so proud of you and like, you're, <laughs> Um, but no, I, I really, I'm proud of you for how hard you've like fought through all of these things. And oh, dude, I'm don't so cry. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> Sorry. You can get rid of this if you want, but no, I'm not. <laughs> unless you want me to, unless you're just like, no, don't no, let okay. the folks, don't let the folks see it. No, no, um, no. But just of how I know how hard you fought and I'm really proud of you. And so thankful that, you know, we're fucking here. We're doing a podcast together. Like you've taken care of yourself so well, um, for us, let that love you. And I'm just really proud of you. And and like you said, we're not doing this documentary or album justice. Like everyone, please go listen to it and watch it. But okay, I'm going to go cry myself to um, no. sleep because I need a nap. Uh, but <laughs> I'm really proud of you. Um, okay. Same time next week. <laughs> yeah. You guys, right. now, I have to, now I have to make Anna laugh after this because I, <laughs> despite the fact that it's like joyful tears, like I just, I know it is. I, um anyway but thank okay. you and i'm proud of you too for you're forever an inspiration to me just uh-huh. seeing the way you live your life every day that um yeah that's all i want to say about that well i love you i love you too all right well i'm anna i'm Sola. <laughs> we are two sappy broads from brooklyn <laughs> thank you so much for listening we'll uh talk to you next week